welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks for thinking of me. I'm honored. Of course. I'd like to start off by asking, how do you describe yourself and what it is that you do? Oh, that's a great question. Um, In what context can you provide a little more detail sure so let's say that you know you're at a party and uh someone's like hey i'm john uh what do you do like something like that oh i'll say oh hey john i am usually i'll use my real name rachel i'm rachel and i model excellent yeah that's usually i, I keep it pretty base because i don't really enjoy getting into conversations with people about my career. I love my career, but it's like sometimes people will talk forever and they'll have lots of questions and lots of judgment. And it seems like it's real. It's a lot easier just to say you're a model in LA because it's a true and B just a little more surface, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I could see that, that there's suddenly, um, you giving off another answer might d- definitely open up a, a wide variety of questions and right. everything else. Yeah, sometimes it's even fun to be like, I'm a dolphin trainer, which I don't often do, but I have on occasion lied and made up a cute little answer, but it usually backfires, so I, I try not to do that. Sure. I mean, a dolphin trainer, if somebody actually told me they were a dolphin trainer, I probably would ask them all kinds of questions just because that is so interesting. In, oh, un, unto itself, yeah. you may want to be like, I'm uh, an accountant or, you know, <laughs> something that's not particularly interesting to most people. That way that might stop the conversation right there. I think he could be right on that. And I probably say dolphin trainer just because it's like a dreamy job, you know, <laughs> the animals, you get to play with them. Oh, it sounds very glam. Exactly. <laughs> So I've I've noticed that in the last few years you've been spending more of your time on on writing. Um, has writing been something you've always been interested in, or or why particularly um, did you have you been focusing on that more recently? Oh, that's a great question. I definitely love writing. I have been a skilled journalist, or you know blogger, writer, pretty much my whole life. I I naturally just have that skill set, which I feel I'm very lucky to have. When I was um, younger, my mom sent me away to a few different um, camps, one at UCI for creative journalism, one at Stanford University for for writing as well. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of was able to sharpen my tools at a young age. And then When I got older, I always felt like people asked me to either speak or to write content 
you know, regarding anything from the adult industry to my opinions on things. And it's just something that people kind of gravitate towards me for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I hadn't really had the time or maybe even the interest in writing for in the beginning of my 20s. But now I've circled back and I'm like, wait, this is something I really enjoy. It's really therapeutic. People will pay me to write. And it's something that it's just totally it's totally different for me. And I love being able to express myself through that outlet. Um, like any writer, I have a lot of brain freezing where sometimes I go to write and I'm like, oh, can't even, you know, mm-hmm. so kind of working through that. I notice when I put a lot less pressure on myself, I'm better at writing. <laughs> so, that, so that's interesting. Um, I just finished a piece for a company called Full Screen Entertainment. And I definitely I'm going to I'm probably going to go back get my master's degree next year in writing. So I'm definitely into it. I don't know what I see myself, you know, doing with it permanently, but just for right now, I'm, I'm kind of just dabbling. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, creative writing or journalism? Oh, I enjoy both. I, I believe I, oh, I've done more commentary on, you know, relationships and sex and love and sociology and just more like experience. So I guess that's more journalistic rather than creative, but some creative writing. I recently wrote a little erotic story for Asa Kira for a book she's curating through Cleese Publishing. I don't know when that's going to come out, but it was my first erotica novel or erotica short story. And, you know, I don't, I don't really find that to be my... <laughs> my my main passion but I think it was fun to be able to like dabble in creative writing because I haven't done I hadn't done that that particular genre before but yeah yeah I think more experience yeah. writing okay well that makes sense yeah all right so if we backtrack a little bit um as a high school junior you were in the third scene third season of Laguna Beach <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. Yeah. So how did how did you get that gig, and what was it like to be on on that reality show? Oh, I love when people ask me about this because it's not something I really lead with, so it doesn't come up often. Um, how did I get that job? Well, MTV had been shooting season one and season two of Laguna Beach, which was MTV's most popular show for a while, and those cast members had graduated high school. So what they did was they asked the cast members who was their next generation of cool kids at school. And lucky for me, I was in that group. <laughs> and Literally, that's how it happened. They just picked my name from the recommendations and through my friends that I knew, we all got interviewed and basically hired right away. Hey, you're going to be on this reality show. It's the first of its kind. It's called, you know, it's called Laguna Beach and it's a scripted drama. Obviously, all of us know the show and we were really excited about it. And it was a I think it was an interesting experience. You know, it's I don't do this, but I could go back and look at, you know, my junior year at Laguna High with my friends. And mm-hmm. um, I was just a cast member, but we all got paid the same. And it was something where I had a boyfriend and my boyfriend's parents wouldn't let him shoot any content because they were conservative and religious and they just thought that was a bad idea. And by the way, 
I kind of agree with them, but um, <laughs> at the time I was real, I was really upset because it evolved around love drama. So, you know, just the fact that I felt like that may have been a blockade um, for my character on the show, but I, just, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the entire experience, just being with my friends, going to parties, having that spotlight. And, you know, a lot of people will say you know, they were watching it in Ohio and Montana and all over the country. And for me, it never felt that way because I never left Laguna. So I was just a 16-year-old girl, 17 maybe, um, going on 17, and I was just living in this little bubble, mm -hmm. literally. And, I, I mean, I never, I never even drove outside of Laguna Beach, so it never really felt that big. When I got to L.A., um, the season had kind of come and gone, and the first two seasons were the real hits. But when our third season launched, it just wasn't as popular, and so they didn't renew our contract. Um, it was still a fun experience. We got endorsed by everybody from phone companies to clothing companies, you know, just giving us all their products. Maybe it's not even an endorsement, but just like, you know, fun stuff was happening at such, you know, at a young age. I had my first paycheck. I, well, my first big paycheck. And I was so excited. Um, I was so excited. It was a great time, but it's not something that I'm really, I don't have a, a whole ton of reminiscing about because I am still friends with all the girls. I just, we're in such different places in our lives and it's literally our 10 year, our 10 year reunions coming up this summer and we're just planning it right now. So it seems like it's been a decade. <laughs> right. Well, that's good that you're still close with the uh, with the other cast members. But I guess it's maybe yeah. a little bit easier because they were your high school, like high school, middle school, elementary school friends. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. grew up in a small town. It's almost like middle of the, it's like we're growing up in the middle of Texas or some small midwestern town, except it's on the beach. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird feeling because it's not what you think of, I think, when you think of Southern California. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So after high school then, uh, what did you study in college? After high school, I studied women's studies in college, which is now called gender studies. Mm -hmm. um, it is an interesting topic and an interesting major to cover. I'm sure it's different at every school. I graduated from UCLA and it's a very liberal school and also has a lot to do with the, the major itself has a lot to do with race, almost more so than it does with gender. Um, but it has a lot of intersectionality. So we studied the system of America, and it's a very depressing major, to, in all honesty. When I got in, I loved it because I felt like, oh, I had taken my first women's studies class, and it was all about empowering women and how, you know, I didn't even realize that we were such un unequals in, in this world. I had no idea. Like, the way that I was raised, it never felt like that. I come from a really um, <laughs> a very wealthy family, a place where I never really felt that type of inequality. Quality. Mm -hmm. But when I moved to L.A. and I kind of saw the real world and like, oh, this is what college is like and business is like and all this stuff, I just things started to change for me. And I wanted, I guess, to kind of help. I was like, well, you know, I am all about equal rights. I want women to be able to thrive in business. And I just hadn't I just didn't realize. Anyway, I joined this this major and it it was interesting. But like I said, it had a lot to do with 
race, the system, and women's literature and writing. It was a, it was great. It was a while ago, but it was a fun, um, a fun major. And I think it had a lot, it had a lot to do with where I was at and it inspired me actually to get into the adult world. Very interesting. Cause I noticed there, so there's a, an LA times article about, um, you being uh, an adult actress at the same time you were at UCLA. And I was curious on how, how did that feel? Um, you know, talking about what you were doing and then giving a chance to, to also um, shine more of a spotlight on, on what you were working on? Um, I enjoyed performing while going to school simultaneously, but I never really felt like at school I was a star in any way. It's, mm. um, I don't know, it was very, very mellow classes. Most of my classmates were women some of them were gays and then I don't really remember any straight guys in my classes <laughs> um so it's not my demographic sure um but I had some some mm, a little pushback in some classes like people knew what I did and so I would kind of get into debates with other students or the teacher but it was never anything like full of anger. It was just really out of curiosity and kind of, okay, let's try to figure out why we feel the way we do about the things we, the things we see, because everybody has a real, you know, reason behind the way that they feel. It's just about trying to understand why they feel that way. So it was, it was interesting being able to hear everybody's perspective. I think it gave me a better perspective because I saw both sides of arguments in a more clear way. Um, I had some women would ask me like, Oh, where'd you get, where did you get your boobs done? And <laughs> I love them. And for the most part, I mean, yeah, occasionally people would ask to take a picture with me or recognize me on campus, but it wasn't anything that I wasn't used to. So I, it doesn't really stand out as like something that was different than the other students, if that makes sense. I've always kind of just felt like, because I've been doing television, I guess, since I was 17, I've never even thought about that. Um, I never thought about that I've been on TV for that long, even though it hasn't been consistent. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's why I just kind of felt very natural okay. in that, you know, in that spotlight. Yeah, like it could be. Yeah. So, so with what you were doing then um, in the adult industry, when was it in your career that you decided you wanted to um, start your own production company, write and direct movies? Well... I have owned my personal website probably since about a year into my adult career, and I believe I've been performing for about seven years. So about six years ago, I guess, I was like, you know, well, most of the girls, the majority of the women have their own website. So it was pretty common. You know, you, if you're an adult, you should make your own content so that when you leave adult, you still have something that you own, even though now everything's changing so much. It actually, I don't even know if it's going to be pertinent or necessary in 10 years from now, but, you know, six years ago, it was definitely just something that everybody did. So my agent encouraged me, hey, make sure you own this domain. Well, he bought the domain for me, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, you know, that's fine. He, An adult agent only takes 10% of your revenue if you're signed to them, which is about half of what a mainstream agent will take from you. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I appreciate him buying up that name because what would I have done without that? I probably didn't even know I had to buy Toshrain.com. It's like I was 21. I just didn't know. Um, but I've been I've been producing and directing since then. Pretty in the beginning, it was pretty you know just cute generic scenes, and then a couple years in, I was like, well, maybe I could make some movies and DVDs, and so I put a lot more money into the content, and I made about 10 DVDs, I think, so five scenes for each for each movie, mm-hmm. and actually, that's quite a lot. I didn't realize that, five, seven, ten, <laughs> but um, I wasn't in all of them. I did direct some of them, and I would hire a camera person slash director to kind of, you know, help me out there, but I would mm-hmm. come up with the creative ideas behind them, and um, I then, you know, I realized that I just need to figure out a way where it's more lucrative, because with the internet, it's difficult to kind of turn money on content, um, especially if you're the only, the main person in the content. So then I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll scale back on the movies. And so now I do produce and direct my own scenes, but I had a contract for the last year, which was kind of lazy, where I got to just shoot for this one company called Elegant Angel, and then I got to keep the content. So um, that was a nice situation. I didn't direct it, per se, but it was just nice being able to own the content that I was making and then additionally get paid for it, but then also have like the brand of Elegant Angel, you know, the whole thing I think was perfect at the moment. And mm-hmm. it, my contract just came up last month. So I'm back to kind of starting from scratch. I dropped my agency and I don't even know exactly, you know, where I'm headed career wise, but I think it's in a good direction. I'm just kind of figuring out like, should I just stay shooting for myself? Should I just shoot for select people? But you know, I don't know. It's, it's new. It's a new environment. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a really exciting time, at least to options. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I I mean, it can be a little bit frustrating, right? Because you're like, okay, well, what's the best move or this company wants me, but they want this and I don't want to do this. And so it's kind of a little bit of waiting around but then at the same time I'm like more about doing things for myself and taking charge so that's why I'm kind of like well I can do my webcam shows and update my website and figure out ways to make money online by myself without other people not that I don't want to work with other people but having to rely on anybody I feel is just a little bit too uncertain for me so I'm enjoying the entrepreneurial aspect but it's totally different than having an agent because you know an agent is kind of like a babysitter it's a lot easier to live your life with a babysitter let me tell you right I bet so I'm, yeah. really, I'm really curious then, so with the adult industry and the fact that there is so much free content available. Let's uh, call it stolen, because that's what... Sto- sto- stolen content, that sounds fair. So because there's so much stolen content available, um, particularly you know with, with you and your website and what you're working on, how, how do you market yourself and your brand to counteract this the stolen content? Are there particular things that you focus on? Um, you know, like social media versus something else, or or, or how do you really focus and, and uh, work on this part? Well, there's not a great way to counteract stolen content. It's the problem. Um, so how it kind of works is you're not allowed – if you see your content on a site, mm-hmm. you 
tell them, take this down. And they actually, they have to legally take it down. But the problem is people will put it right back up. Now it's, they claim it's not them who's putting it up, but it's the user. So because of a lawsuit similar to a YouTube lawsuit in the past, this is my impression of the whole situation. The actual website can continue to exist, but they cannot put the content up. The user puts it up and then you contact the website or the user to take it down. And that has to happen. But it's a very tedious thing to continue to happen. So you hire somebody. So I have somebody named Nate Glass. He works on piracy. He goes to all of these sites. He asks them to take it down. They take it down. And he does this every day. Well, even with that, it's still challenging to try to find your market that's going to want to see content of you if there's free content, stolen content out there on the internet that you don't own as a performer, right? So if you don't own it, because most of the content I've done, I don't own. I, I own some, right? But my career has, I've worked a lot of days and it's only, it's been seven years. So right. most of that work is through other companies. So it's a, it's kind of, you have to kind of move with the times. So right now, the best way to make money is either A, on products, like a flashlight, which I don't currently have, but I'm sure I will, or a similar product like a toy, or what people really want to pay for is the interaction that you get on a webcam or on a Skype date or on a, you know, a fake telephone number, like a burner number, or you're you're paid for Snapchat. And I'm sure this sounds really odd to you and actually to most people that aren't millennials not to age you or to say that you're you know not cool but i am at the the tail end of being a millennial anyway because i'm 28 but that is actually really where where the market is and it's kind of sad because it's not what i signed up for or what other people signed up for and it doesn't mean that i can't continue to shoot i have offers all the time to shoot content for other people and i can still make some money on my site but i think that it's just not as lucrative as it used to be because of the tube sites that took over. And, um, and so you just have to go in a different direction. So there's this website called sexpanther.com and you can buy, um, a burner number. I mean, it's advertised as a number where the, the person will, you know, sex message you or whatever, or say hi, or more of an interaction. There's ways to, um, there's this thing called OnlyFans.com, which is kind of taking off, where instead of posting your your photos on Twitter like I used to, I post them to OnlyFans. And so you have to join for $15 a month, $12 or $15 a month, and you just get new photos every day. And that happens. If you can get a lot of fans in one day, that's, a, that's as much as a website because you get to keep all of the money as opposed to having a webmaster or you know a, a network. So it's actually – Kind of like a website, but way cheaper um, of a front, right? You don't have to put in any content. You just take selfies of yourself. And it sounds like so unglamorous, but it's just the way that the industry is going. But at the same time, you need to still keep relevant. So if you keep those glam scenes out there, people will want to join your OnlyFans.com personal candid page or your Snapchat profile. So it's kind of complicated, but once you get the hang of it, I think it's it can, it can really be, it can be a full-time job, but then you have to self-motivate, right? So it's just, it's just, it's a lot. It's changing for sure. sure. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like it. And uh, so I'm curious with 
So let's with like the the personal um, dates on you know on the the websites or the the phone calls. How how do you scale something like that up? Because obviously the people who are paying want to speak with you, and you only have so much time to do this. So how did you like? So is that something you're focused on and trying to you know do shorter calls or charge more? How do you, you know, try to get more revenue from that limited amount of time? Right. Well, you do charge a lot of money so that you you can ultimately make thousands of dollars a month off of each each of those things. Okay. Um, I think I looked at my breakdown last night because like I was just looking at, you know, finances and payouts and stuff, and it showed that like most of it was actually or half of it was coming from text texting. So. You could just do exclusive texting. That doesn't take any time. You could probably outsource it. Not that I would. I wouldn't actually do that. But um, it's easy to do. It's easy to do that, especially there's little, you know, there's little tricks. Like there's one where you send a photo out and it charges the person to open it, right? $20 or something like that around that. And if you send it up to all 100 contacts, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. So it's just simple and it takes one second. You just press select all, send. Okay. So I think it's just stuff, little tricks like that. But, um, yeah, there's always, I mean, there's so many different, there's so many different avenues. Like I just, um, I'm going to start feature dancing again. That's a really lucrative thing. People, you know, will pay me to come to a club and they use my photos to advertise my appearance. And then I can do, you know, a show or two that night on stage and sell my merchandise afterwards. And that can be something that is really fun, but it takes a little time. And, you know, Friday come home Sunday, it's a lot of work. So you have to be willing to put that type of work in. And I had been doing that for years. So I took a, I took a little hiatus. I needed it. I don't love to travel for work. Mm -hmm. So like I said, just like the music industry is changing where, you know, they, people steal the music. So now the artists have to do concerts all the time and travel. It's very similar. Um, it sucks really, but I don't want to be negative because like I said, there's ways to make money and I am in a lucky situation, just, I guess, born lucky where I now in my life, I really don't even ever have to work again if I don't want to. Um, but I like my brand and I want to kind of, I want to continue my brand and expand it into a more mainstream way, mm -hmm. um, more mainstream avenue. So I am planning on opening a boutique this um, fall called Basic Bitch in West Hollywood. That's really what I'm focused on trying to figure out right now. It's going to be a clothing slash gourmet pumpkin spice latte boutique where you come in and it's like this full experience. And so although I'm not leading with the name Tasha Rain, I am 100% sure that's going to have people are going to know and I'm and I'm going to use it for my marketing. Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds great. Yeah. 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 Great. So with so with your the company that you're going to try to start, have you like have you already started reaching out to are, are there mentors that you have worked with throughout your career that helped you on the business side? Are there books that you have read that helped you with your your marketing and and that and like social media, or is that just something you've kind of figured out along the way and then plan on using that with your boutique? 
Well, I look up to people like Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton who have taken like their brand and made it into something that is just worth so much money, but they've also like used their sexuality and social media and similar aspects that I try to use. I also look up to Jessica Drake and Jesse Jane who are adult performers. Um, with my boutique though, it's kind of, that's a good question. I have a few connections with buyers, like people that are just specialized in this type of um, store. And so I have meetings set up with them and I have a Pinterest page where I pin everything that inspires me. I recently started a, an Instagram, like literally the other day, basic bitch store. And so I'm definitely, I'm kind of doing it by myself, but in the same way I, I did adult, I, I did the research kind of from a distance online. Like I looked up agents and I looked up videos and I had an idea and read a book mm -hmm. or two, but it wasn't, you know, nobody held my hand. I just kind of, I kind of get a sense and I go for it. So I just know that it's going to be something I'm good at. I'm good at setting an ambiance. I like to, I like to make people feel a certain way when they come into my house or even when they watch my movies. So I know that my store is going to thrive because of that. And a lot of people are like, well, this new, you know, everything's online now. And it's like, yeah, everything's online except for things that are not. And I think that, you know, curated pumpkin spice lattes that are, you know, in a unicorn mug and glam cute outfits with a fun ambiance in a store is something special. So I just want to make it like my little investment project and we'll see what happens. But I'm definitely going to reach out to you about marketing. <laughs> and <laughs> sure, sure. Definitely. And I, I would appreciate that. Um, but I mean, yeah. I think that especially with with curated experiences that sounds absolutely fantastic because you know you're right there's a lot of things you can get online and you know just today amazon announced that they're buying whole foods and walmart bought bonobo so there's all these things you can get online but what you can't get online is a one-of-a-kind experience and i what? think yeah this your you know the the company that you're working on that is definitely a very specific one-of-a-kind experience and there are probably thousands of people who are, would love to do that so it makes perfect sense yeah and I mean obviously I know that I'm a I'm a demographic I'm a very special small demographic I'm, I'm not necessarily everybody but I know what I like and I feel like my taste you know I, I don't want to sound conceited but a lot of people you know they I, I am a role model in some ways when it comes to like the way that I dress and what I do and the way that I look and all of that. And so I feel like my taste will carry over into the store. And I know that, you know, young women, millennials will want to come in and take photos in this like adorable pink boutique with fun hashtags and props to take Instagram pictures in and enjoy, you know, their pumpkin spice latte and designer sweatpants shopping. Like I just know that that's something that will sell, but also you know, like the internet, like adult, things have become more personalized, like the Skype shows, which you can't steal. And same things with a curated experience. You just can't steal it. You have to go do it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I'm really excited. Very excited. <laughs> That's great. It sounds really exciting. So with what you're working on now, are there are there apps that you're using or um, websites you use to help you save time? And how do you structure your day? Are there routines that you have? I'm just curious on now that you don't have the babysitter you were talking about and how you keep yourself motivated and manage your time. 
So if we're being completely honest, I haven't transitioned that well so far. Um, I, <laughs> I've had a, this last year has been very, I would, I would say in some ways very luxurious. Um, I would also say I don't feel great about, about it because the structure missing that kind of almost that thing that pushes you, aka an agent is a little, it has, I definitely think that transition has been trickier than I imagined. And I haven't even, I hadn't given it much thought until the other day when I was looking at, you know, revenue and okay, where can I be making money and where am I putting my time and all of what you were just asking about. And so I, you know, I have a routine that is more recent as in, mm, I was dabbling in it, but it's become consistent, which is I wake up and no matter what, I go to Pilates. Like, that's imperative for me to work out. And not just any workout, but I go to a hot Pilates studio where I sweat and I need kind of that release in order for my day to go smoothly, which sounds psychotic, but it's like I need it. Need that workout, need to sweat for one hour. I make sure to have coffee, even though it's not healthy for you, and I don't drink a ton of it, but I, you know, I'll have definitely a few shots in my latte. And then I get home and I, ha I do have a little farm here at my house. I have two pigs, two dogs, a rabbit. So there's a lot to take care of. But, you know, I try to make sure that I am focusing on my business, even if it is just putting out Instagram and Twitter pictures linked to my website or making sure I have some articles to do, interviews to do people to email, but I could definitely use some help when it comes to just like the structure of my every day. And I went for about, you know, seven years straight or six, six years where I was working so hard and I didn't really have much of a social life and a love life. And now for the last year I have had, you know, I had a boyfriend and I had a social life that was thriving. And so sometimes one part of your life gets carried away. At least that's what happens with me. And it had been my business. And now it has kind of been my personal. So I'm switching gears. I'm out of my relationship. And I'm kind of back into a place where I want to focus on my business and make it my first priority. Because, you know, I'm 28 years old. And I just want to make sure that I give it my all that I really fulfill my potential. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I could definitely use some help in the in that in that area. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm curious on how you approach things that you are fearful of. So, um, you know, obviously putting yourself out there um, in the adult industry and now with your business switching over, you know, there's got to be times when you feel a little bit apprehensive. How do you push past that and, and give it your all? How do I push past fear? I have... I don't know why I didn't mention this when we were talking about routine. I've recently become um, reliant on meditation. So I make sure to meditate every day. I use the Headspace app. Mm -hmm. And I know that many people use this. So it's a, it's a common practice. But it helps me kind of check in to, and this is going to sound so hokey, but to the divine that there's like such a higher power and I know that I'm going to be okay. So it's kind of, I guess, like a religion in a way where you just know and believe and have faith in a higher, in a higher power and realize that everything's going to be okay. And 
um, that has really helped kind of take away my fear almost, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And also in all honesty, I have had a lot of death in my family. My stepmother passed last year and my dad passed about, mm, about seven years ago. And so when you have death in your family, you realize how short life is. So in some ways it's really good because it kind of shows you that you only have a certain amount of time left here. And if you want to make an impact and you want to do something, you're just going to have to take the leap. And the worst that can happen is that you fail, but who cares about that? You know, like for me, the, I've never had an issue with failing. When I was little, I used to swim and I would get last place like every time, but the ribbon was pink and I was so proud of it. And I never cared because it was just about doing it. So like, I'm a perfectionist in some ways, but in other ways, I'm completely not. And so I'm just about, you know, throwing a bunch of stuff against a wall and seeing which one will stick. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I do. I think I even do that with boys. Like, I'll go on, like, <laughs> a thousand dates, and I'm like, oh, whichever one sticks, you know, like, it's just kind of, I don't know, you just have to put yourself out there and be open to the universe, because if you're not, you literally cannot go forward. That's how. <laughs> sure, sure. No, that, that, I'm laughing at your boy comment. Um, no, that makes that makes perfect sense, because you're right. It's, um, you know, you, you never know unless you try, and I think it's great that you have this, this open and free type of experience where you're able to just, you know, yeah, get get past whatever mental blocks are there and just kind of push past I, it. But I'm not. I I do procrastinate on certain goals I have, and it's a thing I've noticed about myself where I'm like, oh, well, maybe you're not doing that because you're scared you're going to actually succeed at it, <laughs> or maybe you're scared that you won't succeed. Like you know, so I definitely struggle too. It's not that I don't. It's mm -hmm. just you know some things I'm better at pushing forward with. Maybe even the things I find more attainable, I don't know. But I fail, and, you know, that's okay, too. Sure. I find it interesting that you mentioned the fear of success first before the fear of failure. That's just well, one of those. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that is subconscious. I'm not sure. <laughs> it, it might be. Um, I've been so I've been meditating for, like, the last couple of years, too, and I've noticed a huge... Mm -hmm. uh, calmness because I, I get up in the morning and I, I just do it for like, for like between 10 and 20 minutes. What do you and, use? Uh, You're just yourself? Yeah. So I, um, um, I use, yeah, I use, I just kind of set a timer and I try to breathe, uh, for like 10 to 20 minutes. I've been recently doing something called yoga nidra, mm -hmm. which is, it's, uh, something I, I, I got into about a year ago and it's, you lie down for it and I have a guided, um, meditation that i found on itunes and it's supposed to be like that state where you're just before falling asleep and it, like it allows your imagination to really run run wild and relax your body at the same time so um it's so i've been doing that yoga nidra yeah yoga nidra and i'll i'll look it up on my itunes i'll send you the um yeah i'll, I'll send you the link of the and the person that I, I downloaded because there's a couple of people who are really good at it and it was recommended by um, some people who are in that space who really run it. So I'll, yeah, I'll send that over to you. Would love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then also I, I discovered, my girlfriend told me about something called the five minute journal and mm -hmm. it's a way to write down what you're grateful for, how you envision your day and also your positive affirmations and then at the close of the day which i always only make the 
the those first three things. The close of the day is what is great that happened and what could have been better. I always get too tired at the close, but the beginning it's a real great way to start your day, and it's kind of like a way of meditation slash making everything you do just a little bit more impactful like you're sitting you know you know you're starting your day off on the right foot so to speak so mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah. Love- that's good I, I i have that uh that same <laughs> journal too great i do you prefer because they have an app version do you prefer the app version or do you physically like to write oh. down in the in the notebook I like everything physical when it comes to creativity. So I like a dream board in front of me with images that I can actually tangibly feel and see. I like colors and I feel like I'm I'm obsessed with my phone. I cannot put it down. So I really need to write on a physical piece of paper with a pencil. I recently downloaded this app as in like two days ago that tracks the time I'm on my phone. And basically it's really sad. It's like a fourth of my day. Um, it's sick. The phone is an addiction. It really, it really is. I wish there were a lot less apps and a lot less time for me to be creeping on Instagram. Oh, sure. Well, you know, there are ways to lock yourself out of your phone so you can't use it. I tried to download this, that app, but I can't even figure out which app it is because I clearly did the wrong ones. <laughs> I'll have to, I, I have a list somewhere cause I, I, uh, in a, I'm in a mastermind group and, and there was one group, one meeting we did where the people who were obsessed with, um, time and being oh. the most productive talked about the best uses. Like there's, there are ways to lock yourself out of your computer for a, a number of times. And there's, depending on how obsessed you are with this, cause there's, there's one oh, particular, oh, yeah, it's real, but it's a real problem. Yeah. Well, cause there's one writer, uh, that I know who, like his phone is locked and he gives his phone to his wife and she only has the password to get into it, to unlock it and allow him to use the internet. So even if he has hold of it, he can't get into his own phone, uh, That's which is, it's, it's pretty extreme, but um, I guess it yep. just depends on how, it depends how, on your addiction. Yes, exactly. So, so, you know, depending on how you want, although you, that you'd have to then give the, your phone to somebody else to get to one of my populated pigs. Exactly. If you could get your pigs, pigs are very smart. They might be able to figure out how to do that. Oh, I'm, I'm sure I could strap a satchel onto Harley or Quinn's back and they would figure it out. <laughs> they are the cutest. I bet. So what would you say is the best advice you've ever received? So the best advice I have ever received recently, because sometimes my memory is a little belated, I would say is, Rachel, what is the carrot at the end of your stick? You need to figure out what that carrot is in order to make you move forward, to motivate you to reach your full potential. And it sounds simple and easy and almost a question, but it really has motivated me. I'm like, what is, why am I living? Why do I wake up and, and do my, do my life? And I know that sounds crazy because I think for some people they're on like this nine to five schedule. So when you are off of that and you don't have to really hustle and work, things actually become a little bit more challenging because you have to figure out what is your purpose. So just basically, you know, somebody that I really look up to telling me that I need to find my purpose has helped me. And then on that same note, um, my stepmother who I had a very 
turbulent relationship with. When I was younger, she said that 90% of life, 10% of life is what happens to you, and 90% of life is your attitude. And it never actually hit me until more recently. I was like, oh, that's really true. You can make any experience your own, and you can bring in positivity and, and success, even if those cards weren't dealt to you. So those two pieces of information have definitely helped kind of drive me. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent. Well, excellent. That's definitely great advice. So again, thank you so much for taking your time to chat with me. Thanks if for having the, me. Of course. If the uh, listeners would like to see more about what you're working on, uh, what is the best way they can they can see your work? Well, if you'd like to support my craft and you're 18 years and over, please join TashaRain.com. Duh. And if you are looking for some curated pumpkin spice lattes and some designer clothing slash fun basic bitch essentials, then you're going to have to visit, you know, the basic bitch store in Los Angeles, California when it opens. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Follow me on Twitter at Tasha Rain. Okay. I will put links to, uh, to all of that in the show notes so people can just find you that way easily. Good call. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tasha. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.